This evening we are in session number 9 in our series of studies and we are looking at Zechariah chapter 7. Zechariah chapter 7. Let me read it for you from the NIV. Zechariah chapter 7 verse 1. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, the month of Kislev. The people of Bethel had sent Shezrezer and Regamelech together with their men to entreat the Lord by asking the priests of the house of the Lord Almighty and the prophets, Should I mourn and fast in the fifth month, as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me, Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, for the past seventy years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Are these not the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous, and the Negev and the western foothills were settled? And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty says, Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. In your hearts do not think evil of each other. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly they turned their backs and stopped up their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by His Spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I will not listen, says the Lord Almighty. I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations where they were strangers. The land was left so desolate behind them that no one could come or go. This is how they made the pleasant land desolate. If you notice Zechariah chapter 7 and 8, it has interesting chapters. Chapter 7 is so full of negativity, chapter 8 is just the opposite. Now there are four elements that are mentioned in Zechariah chapter 7 and in Zechariah chapter 8. The same elements are mentioned but in the opposite side. For example, when it says, you know, here it speaks about I am angry with you. There in chapter 8 it would speak about, you know, uh, I love you so much. Or in chapter 7, when it speaks about, I will scatter you. Chapter 8 speaks about, I will bring you from everywhere. So, 7 and 8 are actually opposites. You know, 7 this evening is what we are going to look at. And here you have you know, a response to a question. The question primarily is this, you know, about fasting on the fifth month. Okay. So, let's look at the passage this evening. First three verses are speaking about this question. It seems like a very self-righteous question. Why is it a self-righteous question? It's a question that they have been saying, okay, you know, Lord, all these years when we were in captivity, we were fasting. We were fasting and praying. We were fasting and praying. Now we have come out from captivity. Should we continue to fast? You know, we have done all this, you know. Now we should have a well-deserved break, you know. We have been so good for so long, you know, we have been done doing all this. Now, Lord, how about taking a break? Because the temple is being rebuilt now, things are back to normal. 
so why not take a break okay so they have been comfortable in their progress okay the rebuilding work has been progressing and in verse 1 we have the historical context this is again a flashback if you were to say to chapter 1 which also speaks about a historical context but if you look at the dates you find around two years have gone by verse 1 says in the fourth year of the king Darius uh, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month which is Kislev okay the fourth day of the ninth month 23 months have passed by since that first day that is mentioned in chapter 1 and verse 7 temple work has been progressing but they are still under Persian rule. King Darius has solidified his hold over this empire. And we know this because the Babylonian name of the month is mentioned. Kislev is a Babylonian name. And if you notice, even the names of the other people that are mentioned are all Babylonian names. So yeah, it says this is the historical setting. Things are going well, comfortable situation. Should we continue to do what we have been doing or should we take a break? It is like, you know, patting themselves on the back and saying, you know, look here, we have a sense of entitlement, you know. It is like we have done so much good, so, you know, some allowances must be given to us. Now, do we go through life like that, you know? thinking, okay, you know, I've kept up all these things now, so a little allowance here and there, a little break here and there, a little relaxing here and there, shouldn't it be okay? Let's look at how the Lord answers you know, this question, <laughs> okay? Verse 2 tells us, now the town of Bethel had sent Sharezad and Regimelech and their men to seek the favor of the Lord, speaking to the priests who belonged to the house of the Lord of hosts, and to the prophets. Now, these names that are mentioned over here, first of all, Bethel. You know, Bethel had been the site of one of the illegitimate sanctuaries of the northern kingdom. And worship at Bethel and Dan was the sin that caused Israel to commit. Jeroboam committed the sin, and as a result, you know, covenant violations were done. And as a result, you find they were taken into captivity, you know, when idol worships can set in in this place. That's the significance of Bethel. Now, these other two names, Sharizar and Regemelech, you know, you know, they are Hebrew versions of Babylonian names, like Zerubbabel is a Babylonian name. So they are personifying the return of the Jews from Babylonian exile okay they have come back now okay so here they have come back to jerusalem they have come back and now the temple is being rebuilt it is nearing completion so they say we want to entreat the lord we want to know an answer to this question and they approach China, uh, zechariah the prophet and the other prophets and they are basically saying we are clueless we don't know the answer we have been doing it all this while but you know, we don't really know why we have been doing it you know it's become a ritual for us we don't understand anything you know so should we weep in the fifth month and abstain as we have done so many years isn't this possible today also 
something that may have been good in itself starting off but over a period of time it becomes such a routine that we have lost the very purpose we are clueless about it now why did the exile sena fast in the fifth month and in the ninth month you know first of all we must understand that these were primarily the reasons were because that was the month they were taken into babylonian captivity this events that started out you know the invasion and taking them into captivity so that is why that was selected as a day of mourning that they have been taken into captivity as a result they fasted before the lord to say lord we are sorry for what we have done please forgive us you know and they kept doing this again and again and again you know now they have come to this point in which it has become such a routine that they don't even know the reason for it so that's why they're coming and saying please show us you know please show us should we continue to do this at all now if you notice a lot of people do that when it comes to fasting isn't it you know they say i'm fasting today now why are you fasting no reason okay no reason you're just fasting because you're saying you're fasting now that has become a routine fasting has to be a purpose behind it you know it is not for health reasons you are fasting and it has to have a spiritual implication that you are saying that that which you love doing it may not necessarily be food anything else you are giving that up for that time period and spending time with the lord but if you are doing it out of a sense of routine and you are saying i gave up a meal sometimes people are working so hard during the day that they give up lunch and say i was fasting no that's not fasting you're still doing something else you know during that time that time that you would do that activity you're actually supposed to be spending time with god that is what fasting really is all about but here these guys for them it was just a routine now when people talk about lent when people talk about you know fasting they will say i've given up meat i've given up this i've given up that you know why are you doing that no reason they may think by doing that god will be happy with them because you know some good points they have received like these guys who are coming and asking hey we have been doing now maybe they are saying we have observed the 40 days lent now would we have a better place in heaven <laughs> raj is nothing doing that is not what it is all about so they come to the lord or to the prophets over here thinking that god would be happy with what they have been doing okay now i want you to put yourself in and uh, these people shoes and try and understand or feel here they come with you uh, know uh, hoping that they would get some good grades hoping that they would get some rewards maybe or hoping that the lord will say okay i've been doing it so long now you don't have to do it but how does god respond to them verses 4 to 10 gives us this response a scathing response from an angry god very very bitterly severe anger what does he say okay verse what tells us then the word of the lord of hosts came to me saying say to all the people of the land and to the priests when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months these 70 years was it actually for me that you fasted when you ate and drank did you not eat for yourselves and do you not drink for yourselves okay so what is the lord saying over here okay he's saying your motivation and your perspectives are all wrong what is their motivation their motivation was selfish 
their motivation was, you know, maybe for good points that they could get, you know. Maybe they thought, you know, that they will get some, you know, good rewards. That was their motivation. But remember, God is able to look into our hearts, isn't it? And that is what the Lord tells us time and time again. It is not these sacrifices. It is not these fastings that the Lord really, really requires. He looks into our hearts and looks at the motivation. Why are you doing what you are doing? Is it for your own selfish purposes? If you feel if you are doing something, even something good, and that you are doing good so that you will get something out of it, that's a selfish reason, that's a wrong motivation. And the Lord says, no, that is not the correct motivation. The correct motivation is that we do good because we know that this is what pleases God. God wants us to do it. That's why we do it. Not for what we can get out of that. So the Lord says, when you were you know, not eating, for whom did you do it? And when you were eating, for whom do you, did you do it? Two aspects over there. Okay? One side, when you were not eating. Eating, you said you were fasting. Okay, there are a lot of people today who say that, isn't it? I fasted, you know. I gave this up. I gave up this, you know. The non-Christian world has different foods for fasting itself, and sometimes that's a little complicated. You say you are fasting, but you are able to eat certain foods. Now, for some people, that's fasting. You know, I've given up veg. I've given up non-veg. You know, certain foods. Now, is that what real fasting is all about, or are you dieting? Are you giving up a particular meal because, you know, for health reasons, you want to lose weight, you know, for your own purposes? Hey, that's not fasting. Or on the other hand, the Lord is saying, hey, you are eating, you know, eating well in the feast that was observed, you know, in the uh, rejoicing ceremonies that they had, you know. For whom did you do it? Did you do the feasting and the rejoicing for the Lord or was it because you had a good time. A lot of people even today, you know, <laughs> would you know, uh, come to a, a meeting if a meal was offered. You know, why did you come? Did you come for the meeting? Did you come because the meal was going to be offered? You know? Now that's a question that the Lord is asking to these people. So they thought that they would be applauded for their well behavior, but it was a total, total rebuke. God, the scripture tells us, was very, very angry. Maybe they fasted because of the punishment that had befallen them rather than for sorrow that God's righteousness and holiness had been offended. They were upset, you know, they fasted because they were punished. A lot of people, you know, would say, I'm sorry because they were caught. They don't say sorry because, you know, they understand that they have done something wrong. They say, we are sorry because we, they were caught. And that's what was happening over here. <laughs> so the question is not focusing on the uh, origins of the fast, but the religious motivation behind them. If there was no self-humiliation, if there was uh, no repentance, if there was no humility, if there was no sorrowing for what they had done, that was definitely the wrong reason for fasting. So the Lord says, you know, I can look into the hearts. What is your motivation? If it's a selfish motivation that you're doing something right, you know, 
maybe the regular things, reading your, the scriptures, coming to church, you know, fellowship together. What is the reason why you are doing it? You know, what is the purpose? If your motivation is wrong, just so that people will say, hey, he's a very religious person, motivation is wrong, the Lord says it is useless. Secondly, he also says your perspective or your understanding of history is flawed. Verse 7 tells us, Are not these the words which the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous along with its cities around it and the Negev and the foothills were inhabited? So the Lord is saying over here, look here, this is the message that I have been telling to you right from the very beginning. These warnings I have been giving to you from all the earlier prophets before you went into captivity, but you did not really listen to them. It would have been far better that you listened and obeyed the voice of the prophets rather than get into captivity and say, I'm fasting over there. That's what the Lord is saying over here. He says, you know, look at things from the right perspective. Look at things <laughs> from the right perspective. Now, if you notice, you know, for the church today, we trace back, you know, our history, if you were to say, from the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God came upon the 120 who were seated in their meeting in the upper room. The Lord filled them, used them, transformed the world at that time. Why? Because the scripture tells us very clearly that they continued daily studying the word, applying the word. That's what they were doing. But now what has happened, we may go through the motions, we may go through the rituals, but that power may be missing. And as a result, there's no life like it was in the early church. Now, it's not that we are not meeting for church. We are still meeting for church. But if we do a compare and contrast, you know, there would be much of the power and the life that was seen in the early church missing. So that's what the Lord is saying. Hey, look here. I gave you the prophets. I gave you the Holy Spirit. Now, what has happened? Have you turned it into something of a ritual and say, because I've been doing this ritual, I think I'm accepted by God. God says, no, that's not what it is. You have missed the heart of God's commands. Verse 8 to 10 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, and this is what it mentions, about this is what you should have done. What is God really requiring? You know, he's saying, I require justice. I require justice. It is not a question of you know, your deeds that you are doing to please me. It is what your lifestyle is because the Spirit of God is living in you. A significant portion of prophetic preaching and legal material in the Old Testament is concerned with justice within the community. For example, like telling truth under oath, showing no partiality in judgment, taking no bribes, not manipulating the court system to oppress the poor. These are some of the specific things that are mentioned that the people of Israel should be doing in the courts in which true justice would be given. Now, now if you notice when Jesus was here, now that's what he told the people, isn't it? <laughs> yes, you should have done that. But what did they do? They thought they were keeping the law 
but what they were really doing is overburdening the people. The widows and the orphans were not looked after, justice was not given to them, but they said, we are offerings, making our offerings to God. <coughs> Secondly, the specifics of justice is in the kindness and the compassion. The Lord says you should practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. Okay. Two aspects, kindness and compassion. Like you know, a mother's love for the child. You know, and these are qualities of God's character. God is kind, God is compassionate. And if we are part of God's family, then this should be our motivation. Our motivation is not to get good points. Our motivation should be to say, God, this is your character. I want your character to be seen in me. And that is what the early church exemplified, isn't it? Wherever they went, they saw Christ in them. And that is why they were called Christians. But sad to say, over a period of time, Christianity became a religion, a ritual, and went so far away from the truth. Negatively, the Lord also says, you should not have done this. What should you not have done? Don't take advantage of the helpless. Do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Don't take advantage of the helpless. Don't seek to harm others. These are practical applications of showing kindness and compassion. People who demonstrate mercy and compassion to one another will not exploit the marginal members of society, the widow, the fatherless and the aliens who were vulnerable when they did not belong to this group of Israelite households. So it is not about the external rituals, the Lord says, but it is about loving others. He says, hey, this is what true Christianity is all about. It is not in the externals, it is in the internals. Now, verses 11 to 14, in conclusion, the Lord speaks about what was their actual response? What were they really doing? What is God's evaluation of their lifestyle? There was a stubborn rejection of God's word. There was a stubborn rejection of God's word. So the Lord is saying, you are coming to me now and asking me to bail you out in this situation after all that you have done. Don't expect this. This is what you have done. This is how you have responded. This is how my reaction would be. So the process of a stubborn rejection of God's word. Step by step, the Lord shows the process. First of all, they turned a deaf ear, but they refused to pay attention turned a stubborn shoulder, stopped their ears from hearing. Okay? Look at the words that are <laughs> used here. Okay? The picture that underlies the figure of the rebellious shoulder is that of an ox that is refractory and uh, refuses to allow the yoke to be placed on its neck. You know? It is like an ox who refuses that yoke. You know, you try to put that yoke, you know, maybe kicks you know, and you know, shoes you off, not willing to take that yoke. Jesus said, come to me, learn of me, take my yoke upon you. you know, it is easy, it is light. But a rebellious person says, I don't want to take your yoke, I will do my own life, I can bear my own you know, burdens. The Lord says, no, that is a rebellious attitude. 
the heavier the dull ears speak of lack of submissiveness that do not hear or heed the charges of God. God is speaking. Remember, our God never keeps silent. God is speaking, but ears are heavy, ears are dull. The question we must ask ourselves constantly, if we are maintaining our relationship with God, if we want to strengthen our relationship with God, is has our, have our ears become dull of hearing? <laughs> Over a period of time, you know, has so much of wax got stuck inside that you are not able to hear God's voice anymore. There is so much of you know, dirt of sin that has stuck in. As a result, you are not hearing the voice of God anymore. The Lord says, say, that's a rebellious attitude. You are coming and saying, I want to do this. I want to entreat you know, the Lord for what I should be doing. But the Lord says, hey, this is your heart attitude. You know, the Lord is able to look into our hearts. The Lord is not looking at what we are saying. The Lord is looking at what we are saying in our minds. He is able to look at our hearts. Okay. Thirdly, it speaks about an adamant heart, as though by a climax portrays the manner in which they steeled their hearts against the words of God to make them impregnable and impenetrable. It is like they hardened their hearts so much, it became like a stone, you know. <coughs> That's what the Lord says. The Spirit of God comes into our lives. He takes away the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. So this was their response. They refused to listen. They gave a stubborn shoulder, okay. And then they stopped their ears from hearing and they set their heart as a stone, okay. And the Lord says, hey, this is what you have done. You have hardened your hearts. Verse 12 says they made their hearts like flint so that they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of course had sent by his spirit through the pro former prophets. So they stubbornly refused. They stubbornly refused. God gave them prophets, isn't it? It was not just Zechariah who came along, you know, now before they went into captivity, the Lord brought so many prophets, you know, to speak to them. Our God continues to speak to us. He has given us the Holy Spirit. He gives us teachers and preachers who, you know, speak the word into our hearts and lives, you know, but are we listening? That's the question, you know. So, they were provoking God by their hardened hearts to God's judgment. The description of God's response is given in verses 12 and 13 where God says, Therefore great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. On account of their refusal, God became angry. And it says from the Lord of hosts. Okay? When you speak about the Lord of hosts, always think about the army of God. If the army, whole army gets angry, what do you, you know, what chance do you have? This is God's response to those who refused him time and time again, you know, when they were constantly saying, no, no, I will do my own thing. So God threatened them with a scattering among the people, okay, scattering among the people. And the scripture tells us over here that they would be scattered among all nations, okay. Now in verse 13, he says, And just as he called and they would not listen, so they called, I would not listen. God was patient. They said, no, no. God says, okay. Like Romans speaks about, you know, when a person continued to say no to God, God gave them up. Okay, you want to do it? Go ahead, you do it, you know. 
So when the Lord says, oh yeah, I will not listen, it's a question of, it is not stubbornness from the side of God, it's a question of that they have been so far away from God. It's like when two people are speaking, okay, and one person moves away and away and away and away, they don't hear the voice anymore. God is speaking, God doesn't stop speaking, but they are refusing to listen. And it says, I scattered them with a storm wind among all the nations whom they have not known. So this was a dispersion among the Gentile nations. Now the Lord is speaking here, not just about Babylonian captivity, he's speaking about how they were going to be scattered in the future, in the future, because it speaks about scattered them over all the nations. Now, scattering in the Old Testament was always a sign of a curse from God. So initially they have been scattered to Babylonian captivity. Okay? So up until that hour they have been scattered primarily to Assyria and Babylonia. But later on what the Lord is saying is, you know, look here, you're going to be dispersed worldwide. Worldwide. You know, they'll go across, you know, in different, different places, nations which does not know them they do not know okay and that's what happened later on AD 70 when the city was destroyed and when they have been scattered all over and then finally when chapter 8 speaks about I will bring them back that's what happened in 1948 when the nation of Israel came back into existence you know so thus the land is desolated behind them so that no one went back and forth, for they made the pleasant land desolate. This was a future prophecy. What is going to happen in AD 70, it became desolate, and they were scattered all across. It was God who scattered them, but it was the people who made this desirable land into a wasteland by refusing to listen to God's word. Remember, God is sovereign in judgment. But the people are always held responsible for their action. Even this evening, <coughs> let's ask ourselves, are we listening to God's voice? Can we hear God's voice? Or have we become over a period of time a routine, ritual? Our ears have become hardened. Our hearts have become hardened. We are not able to hear the voice of God anymore. My prayers, even this evening, the Lord, we would ask the Lord, Lord, soften my heart, Lord, that I may hear your voice and obey it. Couple of application questions before we close this evening. Number one, in what area do we struggle with stubbornness and pride in refusing to soften our heart and listen to God's words of instruction and reproof and correction? Number two, are we more focused on external ritual or on the internal obedience of the heart and God's command to love him and to love our neighbor? Number three, how does God work to soften our hearts? And how can we evaluate whether our hearts are hardened or soft? And finally, number four, do we serve God from the right motivation? and from the right perspective. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.